Um, do you ever just stop and look around the room for a moment and recognize, hey, I'm connected to these people around me. And you might not even know some of their names, but Jesus connects all of us. That's why we're called the body of Christ. That's why we're called the family of God. So I'm just going to ask you just for a moment, just entertain me, just look around the room. It's going to be awkward because you're going to catch some you're going to catch eyes at the same time. It's okay. So just look around the room for a moment. And I just want you to rejoice and be glad that in Jesus, we're connected. And not only connected, but we need each other. And our worship together is a profound, awesome, amazing thing. That we might come in here as individuals and family units But when we sing and receive together, we're one in Christ. Pretty cool, pretty cool. So in our connecting together as a church family, we do life together. That means we provide opportunities for us to dive deeper in connections. And I want to mention just two of those. The first is October 8th, we have a tailgate event for men Right here in this space, we're going to watch a football game. I'm not going to tell you who's playing because it's going to be all these him and haws about the teams that are playing. Um, But the goal is on October 8th, that evening, we're just going to hang out together, fellowship together. And men, I want you to be there. Put that on your calendars. Uh, Do we have a a slide for that? Maybe not. Okay. Okay. Uh, The second thing that I would mention, Life Together Opportunity, Connection Opportunity, is our annual picnic on October 15th. This is a super big deal. Uh, We have from like 500 plus people hanging out at Mission Park Pavilion. We've got food, worship. We've got bouncy houses, a lot of fun. Um, Don't miss that. It's, It's really, really a great opportunity. So put those two, October 8th, men, Expect you to be there. Um, And then the picnic that following week on October 15th. Super excited about those two things. Well, let me officially welcome you to worship this morning. Uh, If we have never met, my name is Danny. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Have the privilege of leading and preaching in this place and so thrilled uh, to do it. But if you're new here, we're thrilled that you're here as well. And if you would let us know that you are here, you can do that by going to fbcsa.org slash connect. You can do it right now. Um, I give you permission to take out your device and, and just fill out that brief little connect card. Or there's one likely in the chair in front of you. You can do it old school uh, as well. 
Um, but that gives us an opportunity to know that you were here and an opportunity to connect with you at a later time. We also want to encourage you and all of us to continue to give through this church family to be a part of what he's doing in the city and in the world. God has created these local churches, bodies of Christ that meet in a community or a place in our city, and he's given us a responsibility to love him and love our neighbor. And we do that, and we're resourced uh, through those of us who gather and are committed to that process. So would you faithfully give to further what God is doing through this church family? All right. With that said, let's stand together. We're gonna read our passage for the day. It's Galatians chapter three. We're gonna be getting in the latter part of verse 11. So verses 11 through 14. Let's read these together. Tell you what, tell you what, y'all remain standing and I'm gonna read. Is that okay? Y'all just really pay attention. Okay, I'm gonna read. Uh, Galatians chapter three, um, beginning in verse 11. Here we go. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of life is very different from the way of law, which says it's through obeying the law that a person has life. Oh, wow. That's great. Okay, here we go. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Let's pray. Father, we need your spirit today. We need the promised spirit today so that we can see and hear your word and set our sights on Jesus alone in this adventure of faith and life. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen. I tell you what, I really did love my time in Big Bend National Park. It was my first time ever going, and I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's my favorite part of Texas. I mean, that, that desert mountain terrain is just stunning. How many of y'all been? Big Bend. Not enough. Y'all need to get out there. If, you're, if you've grown up in Texas and you've never been to Big Bend, you need to go. It is just Stunning. Listen, I'm so excited about Big Ben that I got home and I told my youngest daughter, hey, we're going back next week. Just you and me. You and me. I was, you don't even have a choice. Um, she has fall break and uh, now she had a choice. She just wants to hang out with me. Um, but we're going to go back. I loved it so much. I loved it so much. But it really reminded me of this life that God has given us. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. I, I, I'm convinced that Jesus has invited us on an adventure. Now, don't let that intimidate you. Because when you hear the word adventure, you think, oh, my life has to be this spectacular high all the time. That's not what I mean. We know that there are valleys and lows in life, just like there are valleys and lows and struggles on our hikes in Big Bend National Park. But Jesus has invited us. Follow me. Join me and see what I will do. 
And I really think that that's kind of the heartbeat of Paul's message to the Galatians is this, that Jesus has invited you on a lifelong spirit-filled adventure, a journey with him alone, setting your sights on him alone. Paul wants us to know that you don't just begin this journey with Jesus, you also finish this journey with Jesus. He wants you to know that there's no point in this journey that we call faith in Christ, that there's no point in this journey that we set Jesus aside and then finish the journey on our own. He says, no, the whole journey, this whole adventure is a lifelong journey with Jesus. And there is freedom and peace in journeying with Jesus. There's no point along the way that Jesus does that with us. Hey, set me aside for something else. And nor should we ever at some point in that journey say, I'm gonna finish this on my own. That's what Paul wants us to know. Now in Galatians chapter three, he's gonna support that, that claim that you follow Jesus alone. You don't pick up law, you don't pick up a list and finish this on your own. You don't get righteousness on your own. You don't, you don't follow me on your own. You, you, you stick with Jesus. He's gonna support that in a variety of different ways and I'm gonna do my best to help you see those different ways that Jesus really wants to support that claim that it's in Christ alone and not your work that you are on this adventure and journey of faith. The first place that we see that is right off the bat in Galatians chapter three. Let me just read verses one through five. Oh, foolish Galatians. Um, Paul doesn't mince words. This is serious business. Remember week one, we said Paul really cares about the truth and the truth is being distorted and twisted. They've been talking about, you need Jesus, that's fine, well, and good, but if you really wanna be a Christian, you also have to become a Jew. And that means you have to follow the law and all its traditions. And so he doesn't mince words. He says, oh, foolish Galatians, who who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. They didn't have the law of Moses. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I'm gonna ask you again. Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ, the work of Jesus on the cross. Paul wants us to know in support of his main thesis statement that you begin and end with Jesus. He says, listen, I want you to know this journey of faith begins in the power of the Spirit of God and ends in the power of the Spirit of the God. You don't begin this journey in Spirit's power and then somehow finish it out with your own power. 
And he says that, and he makes that clear by saying, listen, let me remind you, I didn't, when I came to you to deliver this message, I didn't lead with, first you need to follow the law and become a Jew. And then let me tell you about Jesus. He didn't talk about the law with him. He didn't go down the various requirements of of what the Jews had received and the covenant with God and, and the law and circumcision and obeying the Sabbath and keeping it holy. All the things are wonderful things. But he says, I didn't lead with that. You knew nothing about the law, but what you did know was Christ crucified. That's why he says in verse two, the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made clear to you because that was the message I led with. I started there. I told you about Jesus, the son of God who died on the cross for the sins of the world that if you believe in him in the same way that he rose from the grave, your sins will not only be forgiven, but you'll have brand new life. He says, that's the way I led. And that's what I asked you to believe. I didn't begin with the law. And what happened when they believed that message? He says this, did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed that message. So here's the point Paul is making, that this faith adventure that, that began in you didn't even begin with the law. You didn't know the law. You weren't following the law. But when you believed in Jesus, you experienced the power of the Spirit of God. You didn't do that by obeying some law, some list. That took shape in your life because you believed Jesus. He says, that's how, your, that's how your journey began. Your journey began by believing Jesus and in that moment you experienced, you experienced the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul says some really interesting things about the role of the Spirit of God. In verse five, he says, let me ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It seems to be that Paul is reminding them of this incredible experience under the power of the Spirit of God when they believed in Jesus. That they saw miracles and wonders through the work of the Spirit of God before they had any encounter with this this law thing. Now surely some of them were familiar with Jewish practices and customs and they knew of the law, but the law was not front and center in in their life. But when they believed in Jesus, the Holy Spirit did some crazy stuff. Doesn't that sound refreshing? I mean, don't, just pause for a moment. When you think about the life that they experienced under the power of the Spirit of God, and Paul says, don't you remember all that Spirit-filled work that was happening? Don't you long for that too? I certainly do. I I long for a freshness of God's spirit in my life. I I long not so I can just see God work these spectacular supernatural uh, miracles. That would be awesome. But to know, know his work in my life and to live every day by the power of the spirit of God, I long for a fresh, freeing, new reality with God's spirit, my life. I hope you long for the same thing. But Paul says, listen, you experienced all those amazing things, not because you worked off some checklist, you did all your Bible studies and you did all quiet times uh, that you had this week. 
No, you experienced those things before the law even showed up or before this, this group of people started telling you that you had to obey the law. So here is, here is Paul's point. You experienced the power of God's spirit in your life because you received what I told you. You believed it. You believed Jesus, not because you obeyed the law. If we begin this adventure of faith with the spirit, Paul says, you finish with the spirit and not by working the law. You don't do things oddly in reverse. Who would wanna go from living a life empowered by the spirit of God than setting that aside to figuring it out on our own? He says, why would, why would God do that? When you experience the fullness of this adventure in Jesus with the spirit from the very beginning, the best of what God has to offer in his son, why do you think he would then ask you to set that aside and somehow figure it out on your own? The second thing that Paul uses to support this claim that you stay with Jesus this whole adventure, him alone, is that he uses Abraham as an example. In verse six, he says this, in the same way Abraham believed God, in the same way Abraham believed God and counted him as righteous because of his faith, The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God alone. So Paul says, okay, here's a great example. Let's talk about Abraham. Now the one thing that Abraham and the Gentiles have in common is what? They didn't have the law. I mean the law, Abraham is hundreds of years before God's covenant with the people, the Jewish people, ever happened. In fact, there were no Jewish people God made a people out of Abraham. So there's no law, no Jewish people, no Jewish customs, nothing. And so how in the world is is Abraham declared righteous? Let's go back. He's quoting a verse from uh, Genesis chapter 15. And I just wanna read what happens, okay? God has already made an initial covenant with, with Abraham, which he has believed, because he's moved. But in verse one of 15, he says, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abraham, Abram replied, oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you'll have. Now, Abram had a decision to make. And it wasn't a checklist. The decision was, will I, will I believe God? Will I believe God and orient my life around the promise that God has made to me about Isaac? Of course, he hasn't met Isaac yet. But will he believe? What does he do? 
And Abraham believed the Lord. And what was the result of his belief? Our faith. Faith. The result of faith in the Lord, in his promise, is that the Lord counted him as righteous. Let me ask you this. Was Abram a righteous man? No. He wasn't. He had no law to measure his righteousness by. He was just as broken as the rest of us are. But the moment he believed God's promise, God declared him righteous. Pretty incredible. Here's what Paul is trying to say. Is that this journey of faith that we have begins with faith, believing God, and you finish in faith, believing God. No point along the way in this journey and adventure that we have with Jesus that we set our belief and confidence in the promise that we have in Jesus for something else. No point along the way is it Jesus plus. That's what Paul wants us to know. Is it look, look to Abraham, his whole life, His whole life, his whole adventure, once he encountered God, was an opportunity, will I believe God? Will I believe God? Will I believe God? And let me tell you, the moments he didn't believe God and took matters in his own hands, it was a mess. Then he just got back, I'm gonna believe God. That's what Paul is saying. Abraham never graduated from trusting God to somehow trusting his own ability to figure out or to make it his own way. He had to learn to believe in God all along this journey of faith that he had. And God declared him righteous. So it's kind of like that song. Don't stop believing. It's a journey. I had to look that up this morning just to make sure. It's not Boston, right? It's journey. Uh, I'm sorry for those of you classic rock people. But that's what Paul's saying. You don't ever stop believing. You don't stop believing in God and then believe in yourself. Believing God and believing in a list. The last thing that um, I want to bring out of this text, there's so much in this text. We just don't have time to unpack everything. But the last thing that I want to draw attention to is that it's not explicit, but it's here. Or maybe it is explicit. We'll get there. Not only do we begin this journey with the Spirit and finish with the Spirit, not only do we begin believing in God and finish believing in God, but we also begin and finish this adventure as family of God. It's a big deal. Verse seven. He says something so startling. I mean, it had to really ruffle some major feathers. Verse seven, he says, the real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. Man, we're so tied, especially those cultures, we're so tied to their lineage, their tribe, their people. And Paul says, the real children of God, the real children of Abraham, who inherits this promise from the Lord, are not people who work on a list, but people who believe God, who put their faith in him. It's remarkable. 
Verses eight and nine, he says, what's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. They become children of Abraham by faith. Man, that had to shake people up. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. Remember we said from the beginning that God's plan is this beautiful multi-ethnic family bound together in Jesus, not by the 10 commandments. As important as they are, that's not what binds the whole world together. Only Christ alone and faith in him alone. Verse, verse nine, so all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Uh, Paul is saying is that we share in the same blessing of the declaration of righteousness by faith and we share in the same blessing of the fulfillment of the promise that we have in Jesus by faith not because we could figure it out or put together a resume. It's only by faith in what Christ has done. And he gets, he dials in and gets a little more specific on how that happens. But I, I wanna, before we get there, let's, let's just review this just for a moment. Paul says in verse 10, but those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. Do we have any list people in here? Are you a list person? Anna, I know my wife, Anna's a list person. I know Emma's a list person. Where's Emma? She's in front of me? Oh, Emma, are you a list person? Yeah, how many list people? Can I see a show of hands? Keep them up. Um, so how many of you have fulfilled 100% of your list? Well, I have one, Haley. No, you put that hand down. <laughs> I mean, the truth is, we can't even keep our own lists. And those are the things that we think we need to do or want to do. What makes us think that somehow we can inherit a 600 plus list and check it off 100% of the time? Paul says, don't you see that trying to live by the law, it's a curse. God never intend for you to treat the law like a checklist. But we Baptists are pretty good at checklists. In fact, every denomination is pretty good at checklists. We have, you're supposed to have a quiet time every day. You better be giving. Oh, and don't miss Sunday school. Someone in Bible study today reminded me that they're in Baptist life in some churches at the beginning of Sunday school, you would check, they actually gave you a little uh, uh, form that you would check off the things that you did the week, that week. Read my Bible every day. I prayed. We're great at checklists. But a checklist doesn't save us. It condemns us because every check that we don't mark, we're reminded of how frail and fragile and broken we are. I missed it again. Paul says, you don't want to live that way. You can't live that way. Setting your eyes on the law, on a list of do's and don'ts will condemn you every single time. There's no life there. But there's life in Jesus and the beauty of the life of Jesus is that 
He did it. When the Pharisees questioned him about the law because they thought he was being subversive, changing the law, making it his own, he said, no, 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 no. I fulfilled it, every bit of it. Jesus in his life fulfilled every little detail of the law. He loved the Lord, the God, with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and his neighbor as himself perfectly. And yet Paul says, even though we deserved the curse that the law handed down to us, Jesus took on that curse on our behalf. So that when we believe in Jesus's work, God declares, you've done it all because of my son. And we become family. We become children of Abraham at that moment of faith. Paul says, listen, I want you to know at that moment of faith, when you become children of Abraham, you don't graduate into an employee at some point along the way. You stay family. And there's security in that. Romans chapter eight. I think I quote from Romans chapter eight than more than any other chapter. Maybe that's a good thing. If you haven't read Romans chapter eight lately, read Romans chapter eight. But he says this in verse 14, for all who are led by the spirit of God, we've already talked about living by the power of the spirit of God. All who are led by the power of the spirit of God are children of God. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopts you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. We call him Dad. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together we are, we, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Listen, Paul says there is so much peace and security as a child of God that you receive by faith in Jesus. Not because you had to prove yourself. It wasn't because God said, listen, let me watch you for a season. Let me do some quarterly evaluations and then I'll move you into family. He didn't say, listen, well, all right, kiddos, I'm gonna, we're gonna see how you do on your list of chores because you may get demoted no, Paul says, listen, when we, when we believe, when we live by the power of the spirit of God, by faith, you're children of God and you, that makes you sons and daughters and there's security in that. Listen, even my own daughters know that even if they don't mark the checklist of their chores doesn't mean I love them any less. And somehow I'm gonna kick them out of the house. There's security in that. So Paul wants you to know he wants the Galatians to know, don't live this insecure, fearful life that somehow you're gonna miss the mark and God's gonna boot you from his family. No, he says, you are sons and daughters and you are secure. Stay secure. Don't set your sights anywhere else. Philippians 1.5, Paul writes to the Philippians, he says, gosh, I'm certain of this that God who began this good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Let Jesus do the working and you just follow him. Put your faith in him alone 
Do you know what I loved most about my adventure in Big Bend? And there's a lot to enjoy. But what I loved most was its simplicity, its peace, and its freedom. Just adventure. I wasn't on my phone. I had moments where I could pause and look and see the beauty around me and marvel at God's creation. It was simple because I could just, I knew, I didn't know all the path, but I knew the goal of where I was headed and the simplicity of just, I'm gonna get there. And I'm not alone, I'm with these people that I love and we're gonna have fun along the way. It's an adventure. It was, it was peaceful. It was peaceful. And it was freeing. Paul says, do you wanna know simplicity and peace and freedom? Jesus sets you free. Faith in Jesus sets you free. When you have your eyes on a checklist, you don't have the time to pause and see Jesus. When your life is governed by the expectations of our culture and even our church culture rather than Christ alone, you just feel hurried and anxious and stressed. Will you set your eyes on Jesus alone? Will you not measure your righteousness by what you've got accomplished today or this week? Will you trust in the work of Jesus? And we can be confident that if we live by the power of God's spirit from beginning to end, we will know peace and freedom. We can trust that when we believe and hold on to Jesus from beginning to end, that we will know freedom. And we can trust that as sons and daughters of God, we can rest secure. Even when we stumble along the way, we're the Lord's. Let's pray. Father, I don't know who needed to hear that today. But Lord, I know there are several in this room, Lord, that have set their sights on a list and they have felt shame because they don't measure up Lord, I pray for that Christian that they would renew their faith in your son alone and find peace there and rest and freedom. Lord, I pray for the one who has never set out on this journey with your son. Maybe they've always been burdened by a list. Maybe they always have carried this terrible shame because of what they've done. Lord, I pray that they see your son today in the same way that Paul said, you saw Jesus clearly. May they see your son clearly today. That by putting their faith in his work on the cross and in the resurrection in his life, that they will be declared righteous and will be given new life, new purpose. Lord, today's the day of salvation. Lead them to faith. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Our First Baptist Family's mission statement is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others in a joyful life with him. And to fit very closely with that is our theme for this season, Go and Tell. We hope everything that we provide, all the resources, encourage you, equip you to do just that. Go and tell.